We are studying Exodus, and it's very important to remember that we are a peculiar people, okay? And what that means is we actually believe that God has left the scriptures for us, not just as a book, but as really a guide to how to live our lives. And it's really something that as God's people, we need to consistently refer back to these collection, this collection of stories, of poems, and, and all of this incredible literature so that we can collectively remember who we are. And that is why we're taking the time to go through Exodus, okay? We're taking the time to go through a book of the Bible to really rehearse some of these incredible moments that happened in real life that have impact in our lives as well. And uh, so hopefully you can really dive in and, and engage as we continue uh, our study. Uh, we just sang about God's glory, and really that's the whole point. God didn't save the Israelites just so that they could hang out in the desert and, and, and finally make it to the promised land. Ultimately, God wanted to secure a people for himself so that he would be glorified, so that he, people would understand his magnitude and how important he is in this world. And we have that same charter as the Christian church. And so hopefully this morning we can learn more as Sherwin talked about. We're going to see what happened when Israel kind of ran up against their first battle. But actually what, they had some internal battles before their external battles as well, which I think we can relate to. So let's go to God in prayer and let's really engage this morning. Father, we come to you wanting to be humble, wanting to quiet the distractions that might be trying to get into our minds and hearts. Father, we want to engage emotionally, spiritually, intellectually. And Father, help us to learn, help us to grow, help us not to treat this book of, of your word as just an ancient story. Father, help us to see ourselves in the story. Father, help us to reflect on who you are more than anything else. And help us as we watch what happens, help us to be resolved to, re to depend on you more than ourselves. Father, help us to be people that are known for our trust in you and how we believe that you will come through because you've proven yourself over and over again. Help us not to be known as complainers and grumblers, but as people who believe in your power and your provision and your presence. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. So, you know, last week, we, uh, Tom McGurk, he shared, hey, it'd be great if you guys wrote your own song. He shared that in, uh, I think it was both sermons, but um, so I was thinking about that, and I was just thinking about some of the thoughts and themes that have run throughout uh, the book of Exodus. And, uh, you know, it's good to praise God for who he is and what he's done. If you remember last week, that's what we talked about. Miriam's song. They got out of the Red Sea. They crossed over. The, the Egyptians were in the water. They sang. They were grateful for what God had done. It's very good to praise God. And you know what? The more praise, what I find is that there's less complaining and grumbling. Because when you're focused on God and who he is, that just does something for you. It really does. And when you don't and you start focusing on the person in front of you or yourself, you tend to grumble and complain. 
And so I think this uh, Exodus is a great reminder. God's almighty. He didn't send all those plagues just to say, yeah, I'm one of the gods. I, you know, I'm a good teacher. I'm a philosopher. No, God is the almighty. All right. And that's something that he wanted known. And we need to remember that. God's concerned with his people. He hears their cries, but he does something about it. He acts in history. God is real. He intervenes in real time and space. He frees from bondage. He keeps his promises, and he is exceedingly patient with people. Can I get an amen on that? Because we drive, wow, praise God for his patience. Because he drive, we drive him crazy. I don't know how he does it. Today's message, uh, titled it, Lift Up Your Hands. And we're going to look in, in, in chapter 17 uh, of Exodus this morning. And we're going to, you know, we, like I said, we just left Exodus 15 and all the great song. But then there's some grumbling that started to, to kind of enter in, right? And so we're, we're starting to see uh, what is going on internally in the Israelite community. They've been slaves for a long time, people. And so finally they're getting a chance to live on their own and try to follow God. But it's not easy to just figure out how to follow God, right? You know, it's... It, it's you don't see God. They've seen Pharaoh. They've been enslaved. They've been beaten. They've been treated harshly. And now all of a sudden they got to figure out, oh, wow, we, we got to figure out how to be the people of God. Well, we pick it up in Exodus 17. And this is just kind of some of the moments in Exodus 17 without diving all into it. But you start to see this is the problem, man. They are, they're, there's no water in the desert. So they start yelling at Moses, give us water. You know, they start telling him, you're just trying to kill us and our children and our livestock. Moses is freaking out. These people are trying to stone me. And then at the end of the chapter, the people say, is God with us or not? That's the, that's the, 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 the feeling in the, in the early part of Exodus 17. I mean, honestly, is the Lord present with us or not? Really? They're still questioning that. Even after the plagues going through the Red Sea, the Egyptian army wiped out, they're still wondering, is God with us or not? It's amazing what happens when you uh, don't have resources. You know what I'm saying? When you, lo- when, you, when you don't have the resources that you want, you start to get really, you know, quirky a little bit. And that's what we see happening with God's people. So then what happens? From the wilderness of sin, the whole Israelite community continued by stages as the Lord would command. The reason why I wanted to bring that up is because they were exactly where God wanted them to be. They were in the desert. And and just so you know, in the desert, there's not a lot of water. Okay? I just want in case you forgot. Okay? You're welcome, Chase. I know you were wondering about that. Deep theological uh, insight that I just gave you. So God had them there. He was the one directing them. But they're yelling at Moses. Once again, they took their eyes off of God, and they're looking at people. And that's, when, that's the perfect recipe for complaining a lot. Okay? What should they have done? Oh, wow, we're in the desert. There's not a lot of water in the desert. You know what? God, just a few chapters ago, we had the same problem. Wow, we should probably cry out to God and ask him to provide some water. Because he just did it a couple chapters ago. That probably would have been a much better t- approach. But no. They start yelling at Moses. You know, when we, we struggle when we don't really remember the power that God has provided, and we start really focusing on the people that he's provided. we got to always remember what God has already done in our lives. But they didn't do it, and so they're they having problems. So what does God do? Because here's the deal. 
God's trying to teach his people how to be his people. And what a great setting, a place that has very little resources, the desert. So really, they have, they have to learn how to depend on God, right? So he's got to teach the people, but he's also, I think, got to teach Moses as a leader as well. But look here. Look what he tells Moses. Pass before the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel. Take along the rod with which you struck the Nile, if you remember, Moses, and set out. And I will stand there before you by the rock. And I see a pattern that's going to come up later. And so I think it's important to stop here. But look what he tells Moses. Hey, man, go, go ahead of the people. Man, get in front of them. Show some leadership, Moses. And don't do it on your own. Get some of the elders to do it with you, right? And then what does he say? He says, take the staff, the rod that I gave you. Look, you've seen the power of this staff before. Take it with you. It represents my power and my presence. And I'll be with you. And guess what happens? Moses obeys and does exactly that. And he gets up to that rock, and God says, strike it with the staff. He strikes it. Water comes out, and the people get what they need. God comes through after all. But this pattern is something that is going to come up again as we focus on the main uh, text that we're going to look at today, in, uh, beginning in verse 8. Again, like I said, they've already had kind of some internal struggles. Now we're going to see a different type of struggle that the Israelites are going to run into. Amalek came and attacked Israel in Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out, fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. You see, here's the deal. They're no longer slaves anymore. And they've been saved and they've been delivered. But guess what? They still got to fight. And they're not immune from attacks from the enemy. And I think that's something we got to remember even in our age. <laughs> you may have been made right with God, and you may have, but you still better be ready for the attack from the enemy. And notice how abrupt it is. I mean, it's just immediate. It's like right after that, out of nowhere, Amalek comes and attacks Israel. And so, and, let's, and then I, I was studying and I saw this quote and I thought, you know, this makes sense to me. It says, we need the battles of life to help balance the blessings of life. Otherwise, we'll become too confident and comfortable and stop trusting in the Lord. And I believe there's a lot of wisdom in that comment. Because here's the deal. A lot of us, we go, I've seen it happen so many times. You try to help somebody. You teach them about who God is. They make a decision to follow God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. And they even get in baptism. You know, they come out. And they're fired up. And then they get attacked by the enemy. And, and what can happen is there's this, this, like, you tricked me. I thought that my life was going to be so much better. I saw so many changes when I was studying and coming to my faith, and then, I, and then I make a commitment, and now this bad thing is happening to me. It's as if, as if that's not a part of it. Yeah. Hello. God, well, let me, let's, let's just make it clear right here. Just because God can take you and deliver you out of slavery doesn't mean you're not going to have to deal with some battles. You're going to have to fight. All right? You know? And here's the other deal. Then you might ask this. Well, before... When they were leaving Egypt, you know, Moses told them, don't do anything. Just stand still. And God's going to bring a destruction on the, on the Egyptians. So why were we standing still 
when uh, Egypt was running after us and Pharaoh, but now we got to fight. I just like it when we stand still and don't do anything. And God just does everything, right? And here's, the, and here's a great reminder. I, I do believe when it comes to your salvation, you can't, you can't really, you just got to be grateful that God does it all, right? There's not one example of, in the Bible where God says when the Israelites were in Egypt, go and fight Pharaoh. Doesn't say it. They're enslaved. They're done. They just, you know, they're at the beck and call of Pharaoh. What are they going to do? No example of the Bible where he says, go fight Pharaoh. Who took care of Pharaoh? God himself. Oh, I'll take care of Pharaoh. I'm going to show him who I am, and I'm going to get you up out of there. And that's exactly what he did. There's nothing Israel could do. They just walk in. We don't, you know, they're just a bunch of slaves, and they go through. Wow. So, yeah, God acts in our salvation. We don't, we don't earn it. We can't do anything to receive it. But once you get delivered and saved, you better be ready to fight for your spiritual lives. Because the enemy's coming. Because you're here to reflect God in this earth. And this is a fallen earth. This is a fallen world. This is a spiritual world. And there are enemies to God. And if you're going to reflect his image, they're coming after you too. And so you're going to have to fight. You're going to have to fight sometimes. And remember the pattern I just told you. And I appreciate it because I feel like Moses put it into practice right away. Because what does he do? He, he doesn't back down from the fight. He say, what does he do? He gets help, right? Before it was get the elders, right? Now it's Joshua. Hey, man, we need to get some guys ready to fight, right? So he gets some help, provides that leadership. And notice what he says. He says, you know what? Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with what? That staff. That staff, once again. And this is the first time in the scripture where God doesn't initiate the use of the staff. Every other time, God commands Moses, take the staff. Sometimes God will even say, take your staff. And sometimes he'll say, take my staff. It's kind of cool. But this time, Moses doesn't wait on God to command him. He says, no, I'm taking the staff. I, I ain't doing nothing without this staff. I think he's starting to figure it out, right? And so he said, I'm going to take the staff with me, and I'm going to stand up there on that hill. And I'm going to, but he says, you know what, you go out and fight. You know, we got to engage the battle. And he trusted that God would be with him. So what happens? So Joshua fought against Amalek just as Moses had instructed him. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses would raise his hands, then Israel prevailed. But whenever he would rest his hands, then Amalek prevailed. When the hands of Moses became heavy, they took a stone, put it under him, and Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and one on the other. And so his hands were steady. Until the sun went down. And so Joshua destroyed Amalek and his army with the sword. What a powerful moment this is. Again, this is not a fairy tale, people. This is, this is something that really happened. And I appreciate this picture that, that it gives us. I mean, I, I, I can only imagine what was going on. Who's Joshua, by the way? We never, this is the first time he's mentioned in the Bible. 
And he's going out there fighting. Where's Joshua been his whole life? He's been enslaved. You know what? You know, Amalek, he's a, he's a descendant of Esau, Israel's brother. Remember them? They had some challenges. So it's kind of appropriate that Israel, whose, whose name used to be Jacob, Jacob's old brother Esau, one of his descendants, is the first one to attack, right? Now, these people have been, they were, they were warriors, man. They'd been in the desert. They knew how to deal with it. You got the Israelites just slaves. They got no wep, real great weaponry and strategic uh, military, all this stuff. They don't have that. But Joshua's out there fighting. And I appreciate that. But he's not the only one that's doing something, right? What else is happening? Moses is raising his hands. And you, go, and you know, it's funny. When you study this out, it's like some scholars say, well, the word prayer is not mentioned. So we can't say for sure that Moses was praying. And I read that one place. I said, that's ridiculous. And then I read some other place. Somebody said something similar. And I'm like, okay, I hear you. But I think he was praying. That's where I'm going to hang my hat. Because there are many scholars that believe he absolutely is praying. I'm going to tell you what. I, I, I got to believe that, that Moses, if he's going to raise his hands up to heaven, what's he just doing? Just Is he just having fun? I mean, like, then he does, and then they start, and he goes, oh, and they start losing. Oh, what? oh, we're winning. Oh, this is, wow, this works. Is he, I mean, what? He's just having fun, hanging out. How is he not praying? How is he not praying? How is he not e expressing, God, what is going on? This is a fight. This is for real. My brothers and my, they're down there fighting. Your life is on the line. God, can you come through? Please help us. And we got to be careful we don't put so much stock in Moses. Well, Moses is the one that's making it happen when his hand, uh-uh. Look at this picture I found. Obviously, we don't know if the, you know. Does that, is that a picture of strength right there? I mean, it, it, that's not a picture of like, these are the mighty people that are, are take, they are struggling to make this thing happen. This is a picture of who we are. We have some strength, but we don't have enough, right? And I believe Moses is, he's looking down and he's seeing his brothers and he's, 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 he wants them to win. He doesn't know, he, he knows he can't do it. Only thing he can do is cry out to his God. And he's got that staff. He knows, he believes in the staff. God, I was there when you turned this staff into a snake and turned it back into a staff. I was there when I just knocked it on the, next to the Nile and it turned into blood. I was there, God. I was there when we knocked it on the ground and it powder came up, then they turned into gnats. I was there when I lifted it up and the sea split. I know you have the power, God. Please come through, God. Please come through. But he couldn't do, but what was he? He was weak. Right. You and I are weak. We can't always hold up. What a beautiful picture of the church that is right there. Is it not? I mean, sometimes, man, I need somebody to help me out. Hold my hands up, man. This is what we need to be doing, right? More of this. Holding each other's arms up, praying for things that matter. Instead of parking spots and stock prices. We need to be praying for God's people and for God's will to be done. To stay in that battle and to not give up. And whenever Moses' hands were raised up, man, they were winning. 
And the reality is, what if Moses hadn't prayed, hadn't raised his hands? When you read the text, it makes you feel we would have lost, right? Israel would have lost. And what if Joshua didn't fight? What if he was too, too scared? He would have lost, I believe. And when we neglect prayer in our lives, we lose. We lose. And God's, God's glory is not realized in this world. And here's our problem. We often, cre- we often equate prayer with like a religious obligation. That's really how we, we just look at it that way way too much. Now, this is another thing I need to do. No, it's not another thing you need to do. Hopefully, this is just who we are. <laughs> it's not just a righteous obligation, you know. It's just, it's just who we are. We can't make it in this world without dependence on God, radical dependence on God. You know, and that, honestly, we're coming up. we got our generosity Sunday coming up in a couple weeks. Every, every year we have a prayer chain. It's really encouraging. We'll hear more about it. But to me, that's the prayer chain. <laughs> That's just, God, we want to do great things for you. It's not about us. It's about you. And we need your help. We want to see great things happen around the world, locally. Please, God, help us. I mean, to me, that's the beauty of a prayer chain. We can just dive in and be arm in arm and lock arms together and see God do incredible things. You know, God provides the victory when we pray. And I want to just challenge us to just reevaluate our prayer life and just, just reevaluate it. Stop feeling guilty. Stop getting weirded out. Stop talking about, oh, when am I going to do it? Uh, put God at the top of your to-do list. And if anything more important comes along, then take him off. Right? Simple as that, right? There you go. I just solved your prayer problems right there. Just connect with God. But if we're not praying, that means we don't need God. I think that's really what it comes down to. I don't need God. I got it. I can go out into this world, and people can attack me. The enemy can attack me, and I'll be all right. I'll just handle it myself. If you you have really like no prayer in your life, (laughs) that's really what you're saying. The enemy's coming, and you're just like, cool, I'm good. I'm smart, I'll just figure something out, or uh, that's scary, if I'm, if, that's a scary thought. And if anything, this is not, this isn't just a church, this is our small groups right here, getting your little, your family group, your small groups, and we should be praying, praying for what's going to happen, what God's will, we want God's will to be done. What a beautiful picture. I can't wait to join that prayer chain. I already signed up three or four times, I'm, I'm excited, I'm looking forward to it. It's a practical thing to see God win out. So afterwards, the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in the book and rehearse it in Joshua's hearing. For I will surely wipe out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. That's a rough spot to be, man. I don't want to be on Amalek's team, man, if God is against you. But notice that I said, rehearse it in Joshua's hearing. I like that. We know what Joshua's going to do, right? Joshua's going to ultimately lead the people into the promised land, but... I think he needed to hear what happened. Sometimes we think we all of that too. Maybe it was to humble Joshua. Hey, yeah, you were out there on the battlefield, bro, but just so you know, those prayers were helping you out a lot, my friend. Don't get too big-headed that you and the sword went out there and won that battle. And Moses built an altar, and he called it, The Lord is my banner. For he said, For a hand was lifted up to the throne of the Lord. What a beautiful picture that is. 
hand lifted up to the throne of the Lord. And the Lord is my banner. You know, some, uh, some translations say the Lord uh, is my signal pole because that word can mean a banner, kind of like a piece of fabric, maybe close to a flag concept, or it could mean a signal pole as well. And so depending on your translation, it could be different. The concept is the same, all right, is that when that banner is up and you're in the battle, and if you see the banner up, you are reminded why you're fighting. You're reminded of your identity. And as long as the, as the pole is up, you're still in the battle. You get nervous when you can't see that banner. When you can't see the banner, you, have, we, have we been defeated? Oh, no. Where are we going to go? Where are we going to rally around? Right? So you wanted that banner, that, that signal pole. If you were in the, uh, uh, on the battlefield, it helped you. It reminded you who you were and why you were fighting. And we get that in some respects. I mean, we sing about that kind of stuff, you know, the star-spangled banner, right? After all the rockets and all that stuff, and, the, the, and you find oh, the flag was still there. Oh, amen. We still got something to fight for, right? And that, that concept is what, what, what Moses is getting at here. But guess what? He could have said, Joshua is our banner. Yes, thank you, Joshua, for getting out there and fighting. Thank you. Or it could have said, Moses is our banner. He's the one that was lifting up his hands. And when he had his hands up, we won. Nope. It wasn't Aaron and her either. Because sometimes we do that. Man, we do that a lot, don't we? Let's just be honest with ourselves. We try to take credit for stuff a lot of times. We really do. We got to learn how to not do that. Right? It's not your winsome personality that helps everybody become a Christian that you know. It's, it's just not. It's not the great insight that you shared about the parable of the sower. That, that's not what changed the tide. But guess what? If you hadn't shared that parable of the sower, it's not good, right? God wants to work together with us. Because he could have wiped Amalek out. He could have. I mean, if he took out Egypt and Pharaoh, who's Amalek? He could have done that on his own. But that's not how he set up the world. He likes doing it with us. So, you know what? Let us enjoy our role and not take too much credit, right? If great things happen, let's be grateful. But let's always remember the banner is not us. We are, it's nothing that we do. We contribute and God graciously allows us to work together we're like his image bearers. He wants to save the world through human instruments like you and I. Imperfect, weak, we can't even keep our hands up. We can't even keep our hands up. We need each other that, on that fundamental level. But enjoy that. Embrace that. And let's call each other along, carry each other's arms along, doing God's will, giving praise to who he is, not trying to take credit for the North River Church or my family group or what I've done, always putting it up to God and who he is. Trust me, it keeps complaining low, grumbling low, and it'll keep you fresh in your walk with God. The stagnant person in their walk with God is the person who hasn't spent five minutes praising him. I guarantee it. You have forgotten how amazing God is. And he's no longer your banner. And what your banner is, your, where you get your identity and your rallying point, right? And the reason you live has become something other than God. 
Has it become your reputation, your political affiliation, your bank account, your family group, whatever? Has it become that? Has that become what you're here for? Spend time rehearsing what God has done in your life, renewing it, telling friends about it, right? That's how we stay fresh and sharp and prepared for the battles of life and not reliant upon ourselves to win these battles, but radically dependent on God. Radically dependent on God. That's who he calls us to be. And as we close, we are actually going to take the Lord's Supper together uh, today. How do we mix this story of Old Testament Exodus with the New Testament and Jesus? And Is Jesus in anywhere in this story? I think so. Think about this. Remember when Moses struck the rock and the water came out? Some scholars believe that's, a, that's kind of like an image, so to speak, of Jesus. Plus, Paul says that the rock was Christ in 1 Corinthians. That's an interesting thought. What about Moses? Moses intercedes for people in prayer. Doesn't Jesus do that? Doesn't the Bible say he's doing that right now? And what about Jesus' life on earth? Didn't he have loud cries and prayers, right? Didn't he wake up early in the morning in Mark chapter 1 to pray to God, right? Isn't that, who, isn't that who Jesus was? John 17, his prayer, Garden of Gethsemane, Father, please help me. I mean, Jesus was a man of prayer, right? What about Joshua? And by the way, that's the same name, right? If you're in the Greek, right? Jesus, Joshua, same technical name, right? Joshua leads us in battle against our enemies. Well, so does Jesus. And Jesus supports us in our weakness. Right? Come to me, all you who are weak, right? Weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. I appreciate that about Jesus. He, does, he sympathizes with us in our weakness. Jesus is our banner, our identity, our rallying point, our inspiration to keep on fighting. Because we do have to be prepared for the fight and the battle. So I just pray that we can remember this one chapter of the Bible, Exodus 17, and remember these aspects about who Jesus is as well, our ultimate banner and inspiration and reason to continue to keep on fighting. And let's, please, let's pull together. Let's get arm in arm in prayer. Sign up on the prayer chain, and let's go for it and see God do great things. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray together. Father, we're grateful for the scriptures. We're grateful for how clear they are. We're grateful for how you are so powerful and you are the banner that we rally to. We look to you. We lift our hands up to you. We pray to you. We believe in you. We know what you can do. Father, help us to remember that. Help us to talk about that amongst ourselves. Help us to be quick to talk about an attribute of yours that we appreciate and love. And Father, we are so grateful that we can stand on this side of Scripture and, and, and look back and know, wow, this is what you've done. And Father, I do pray for, for us to respect Jesus, to remember Jesus, to revere Jesus. I pray that we can take the time to remember how he freed us from bondage how he took care of the, the strong man because he's stronger. 
how he helps us in our spiritual battles. And he wants to take us arm in arm and lead us home to you, Father. And Father, help us to take this bread and drink of this juice that represents his body and his blood. Help us to reflect and help us to rejoice (laughs) that we can serve such an amazing Savior. You always come through, God. And we saw that most clearly in Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.